Welcome to Up for Discussion. Just want to make sure he knew what we were doing. Yeah, I know. We do so many programs, you know, Up for Choosing Love. We're up for that too. <laughs> no, that's, that's another not it. That's one. another one. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we are continuing on with a series that we started called Echoing a New Narrative. The last one that we did was Echoing a New Narrative in Media. And if you missed the follow-up interview mm -hmm. on the program called Someone You Should Know, um, we interviewed, I interviewed, the me part of we. Exactly. Interviewed David and Stacy Whited from Flyover Conservatives. Great friends. I thought it was a great interview. You were an amazing interviewer. I mean, I know it was tremendous. <laughs> well, it was really fun. I found my inner Barbara Walters, there you, go. you know, and I I am such a people person. I love to hear people's stories. I love to get in on their process and and I actually like what someone else's story tells me about God. And we are using this program, not this one, but the the interviews, someone you should know, as an opportunity to um to introduce you to someone that's on the front lines in the area of culture that we've been talking about. So if you missed that interview, make sure you go back and watch it, especially, especially if you think you might be called right. in any kind of capacity to the mountain of media. You will be so inspired and challenged by David and Stacy, and they really are um, on their way up in a, in a big way in, in that area of culture. And we started with media because when we talk about echoing a narrative, that's the one that, you know, the enemy leads with. Mm -hmm. And uh, you share in your book, which we're out of, called um, Becoming a Superhero, mm -hmm. A Pocket Guide to a Life Like mm -hmm. David. You talk about how David, um, he had to silence the mouth of the mm -hmm. giant, you know, by, by dealing with the words that he was saying in the opposite spirit saying, nope, those are lies. Here's what the truth is. You're in our territory. And this narrative, this agenda that is being echoed in the earth that we're, it's becoming more pronounced, like we can't miss it, but it's the same old agenda the enemies always had. He's not able to hide it so well now. That's the bigger deal. And with technology, we are um, exposed to the narrative in more intentional ways, not just through media, but through every area of culture, through all seven mountains. So that's why we're doing this series on echoing a new narrative. So what is, what is the narrative that God has called us as um, the ones who are partnering with him to advance his kingdom in our lifetime? What does that narrative sound like? What is it we're supposed to be echoing on earth as it is in heaven. What is what is said about that area of culture, um, not just in general, because in general we get into that in our various resources. Mm -hmm. But we want to we want to delve into conversations here, discussions that um, are a little bit more relevant to to right now what we're yeah. facing as a generation. And so today we are talking about echoing a new narrative on the mountain of family, and. You know, it would it would be easy to focus every time on just only what the current narrative is right. and the agenda that the enemy has. But um, we're not going to do that. But I will say some of the things that are just right in our face as it relates to family yeah. issues um, are, you know, the gender identity, um, 
of course, ongoing uh, abortion, um, marriages, there's always an assault on marriage. Um, you know, healing or help yeah. is on, we consider that to be part of the mountain of family. Yes. And, you know, at the core of every single one of those, these areas of culture, these seven mountains, there is a basic lie that is sown through the narrative that, that we're hearing. And the lie, you know, at its conception is really about who God is, which connects to our identity because we were all made in God's image. So when you believe a lie about God, then you act out of it in your own personal life. Yeah. So the primary lie that is being echoed in this area of culture and in family is, is simple, but really profound. And it's, you've been rejected and abandoned by God. Mm -hmm. Now, people might not consciously be thinking of that, but you know, when you have a horrible family experience, um, that's the thing that you come away with is mm -hmm. if there is a God, he has definitely rejected me because that's what I experienced where I was supposed to you know, know his love and his care through a human being, my parents, my father, my mother. Right. So this, this lie of rejection is what we are coming up against. And we reject our own identity. We reject our own bodies with, you know, self-harm, with suicide. We reject our own children through abortion. And we reject, um, you know, someone we've become one with in marriage through divorce, we reject um, all kinds of things. But that 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 rejection also plays out in our health. Mm -hmm. And so that's another subject that we might get into a little bit here today as well. Um, I was going to mention why we, why do we, I'll just throw it to you. Why do we consider health in your physical body a part of the mountain of family? Well, let me back up just a, a little from that as well. So we started, we're not explaining any of this part to you, but we have a color of the rainbow associated with each one of the, the mountains. We'll see if we go in order. We started with media, which is red. And it's, uh, as Elizabeth was already saying, all the importance of uh, communication, the mouth, how the enemy, that's what he's attempting to use to, to do the big takeover now. But from the spiritual standpoint, in the good, we also see the Lord says, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. And with your mouth, confession is made towards repentance. And so the second color, of course, in the rainbow. So there's a lead in with your mouth uh, that makes sense. The next color is orange related to what we're talking about right now, mountain of family, and that there's a big strong connection because the scripture talks about, uh, you know, if you'll confess him, you and your family will be saved. There's a promise. We don't know exactly how how it doesn't override in some ways their personal decision making, but there is something of value. There's something, there's a reason it tells us that we can we can have faith and believe that it's it's going to be um, it, it's going to be the absolute, um, uh, you know, I don't even know how, how to, how to say this, but God is going to try with everything possible to honor our prayer towards our children and, and bringing them into the kingdom. You know, what was the exact question? Why do we associate healing and health okay, issues, yeah, yeah. counseling, as mm -hmm. well as, you know, medical issues on the mountain of family? And it ties in. Uh, some part with what Elizabeth just brought up about the, the rejection. Um, you know, doctors have told us 
for a long time. Not that we trust doctors for everything now, but there are books that say, you know, 90% of illnesses are um, caused by a, a uh, emotional breakdown, an emotional um, hindrance wound of some sort. Mm -hmm. And so autoimmune is your body fighting against itself. And that typically, even for whatever reason, it is harmful to have, uh, you know, a severed relationship with the mom. It has consequences in the body, but particularly the father, um, uh, when there's a, a relationship breakdown with the father, that there is a translation into sickness, disease. And so there is, you, know, you almost never can just look at, okay, cause and effect. This is because this happened that you're sick, there is an, an emotional component. Now, we've also learned that there's not just that because what we've learned, what we'll say the deep state has been doing with our food and with big pharma and with out and out direct attacks against our health that are beyond just breaking down our family, even though that's part of their agenda is to break down family, knowing that when a family is broken down, that it releases sickness and disease. And therefore that's even part of depopulation agenda that comes out, comes out that way. So the healing part that can, that can happen there is why we associate and connect family, everything to do with, you can say the medical counseling uh, area is tied in to uh, the mountain of family. If you remember Malachi 4, the last chapter of the Old Testament, he talks about the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings and we will go forth like stall-fed calves. We're going to be happy. We're going to be restored. And uh, because he has to send the spirit of Elijah and restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers, lest the whole earth gets, lest, it says, lest I strike the earth. And what it really means is lest you get filled with disease if you actually go into the context of what all the, the wordage is there. And so you see him talking about sickness, disease, the son of righteousness with healing in his wings and restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children, parents to children, children to parents. Mm -hmm. And so there is this connection that's made there. We know practically that when we, um, whether, whenever there's a serious health issue, who gathers at the hospital? It's, right. it's family. It's always, yeah. it connects family, even family that's uh, torn apart and fallen, you know, fallen away from each other. When there's a sickness, often there is a coming back that will take place. So it's inseparable. So just to go back to what you said about real, real briefly about the colors of the rainbow. So red bleeds into orange on the rainbow. So white light refracted. That's why one color bleeds into the next, bleeds into the next. And in, in truth, the rainbow is not just seven colors. It's limitless colors because it's every color in between. But there is a connection between the color to the next color, which is part of why we chose the colors that we did to represent the areas of culture that we did. So when you and talk the rainbow about, only shows seven, though there are more. Our eyes can, can only perceive right, the seven. Yeah, yeah. Like God, we can perceive these seven distinct areas, uh, seven distinct aspects of what he's like, but he's actually limitless. So, But the red and the orange, um, I think the connection there I'm just was seeing even as you were talking is the red from media is, is are your words. Mm -hmm. And in family, growing up in family, that's the first place where you hear yeah, yeah. words spoken or absent an absence of words yeah, that yeah. need to be spoken. Yeah. And that can bring wounds. Um, ultimately it's also rejection from uh 
the enemy who uses broken people to come against our health. When we talk about the deep state agenda, bringing in, you know, like you said, big pharma and toxins and just a million ways. like, yeah, a million ways. They just are trying to take us out. From that is from that's a big picture, from, yeah. right? That's a, those are all big picture rejection. Like you are not, yeah. part of this agenda. And so yeah. you have been rejected. We are spitting you out slowly. Um, that's the goal, but that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So, you know, all right. So we've kind of defined, we've gone around, like, what do we think of when we think of family? We're thinking of health issues, body, mind, and spirit. We're thinking of, yeah. you know, obvious family issues. So, um, why don't you just launch into some of the things that you wanted to to get into today, and I'll well come back around. So, just to give a quick narrative of of the mountain spiritually, because we do that in our resources, our books, but we're not. That's not the the focus of going in depth, but just the simple parts of it are are worth remembering. So, we have listed even we have a chart for the seven mountains, and the chart for the mountain of family we have uh, listed as. Um, the principality on that mountain being Baal. And it represents perversion, but we, we didn't even know when we got this from, from the Holy Spirit years ago how it would um, bear out in what we're seeing even in, in society. We understand that it tells us in 1 Kings 17, 18, when Elijah's going up against the prophets of Baal, that it says, and they when they're doing, you know, their, their extreme... Uh, uh, calling out to Baal for fire from heaven says they cut themselves as was their custom. And so, and we understand if you go into Baal worship that trying to worship Baal with homosexual um, sex acts was part of what happened back then as well. And then it was the sacrificing children, sacrificing children, Molech was a Baal. Um, so all the stuff that we are hearing now connected to what we're loosely calling the deep state, the globalist, the Luciferians, which really have been ruling and reigning in all seven mountains, it is a Baal stronghold. And so, um, and their agenda is a depopulation. So in some ways it is a, a, a destruction of the mountain of family because it's the mountain where there's reproduction, multiplication for the purposes of God and what he's doing on planet earth. So Principality is Baal, but on the flip side of it, real quickly, we have identified Raphael, the archangel. Now, we're not going to explain that here, but just go by what his name means. Um, Rapha means healing. El is from him. Healing is from God. So it's the mountain where when it's operating correctly, when sons and daughters of the king are in their positions, uh, they will be releasing healing. And so whether it's counseling healing, whether it's finding we're running into um, all sorts of healing um, solutions that people have, whether it's um, diet. I think we've had Dr. Jordan Rubin and Josh Axe telling about just what they've learned as it relates to food coming in more than that. And then we have all, all kinds of um, new understandings on the proper use of frequencies and things like that. And we're, we're learning. We're kind of in a... a, a, a a quick learning curve of all these things um, right now, but it goes with the, the archangel. So you have Baal, perversion, rejection um, that's operating on that mountain, but then on our side, and you have to understand, we truly do have an archangel with millions and millions of angels here to assist us, to assist you, whoever you might be listening to this, who has 
an assignment on this mountain of, of family. And as we're identifying, never has there been uh, a greater need than, well, than and right now. It's so important to, um, it's not just fun. It's not just like a charismatic thing that we like talk about angels or even demons. It's, it's actually important. It's a, it's a reality. And it's important because when we don't understand the spiritual nature of the battle that we're in, and the literal, when we say ancient evil, like ancient, like like principalities that are ancient. If, first of all, if you wake up to that reality, but you don't also know who we have on our side, it can be quite discouraging. But secondly, we will, we will think that people are the enemy. Right. And there's a fine line. Someone can partner so closely with evil that they make themselves an enemy of God. God never looks at us and says, you know, you're destined to be my enemy, but there becomes an choice, enmeshment. Yeah. yeah. In the spirit realm, there becomes such an enmeshment. If you literally are giving your, your life over to Lucifer, like that's, that's a problem. You have made yourself an enemy of God. He still fights for you. But um, anyway, we have to be reminded that it is a spiritual battle that we are not battling against right. flesh and blood. We're not trying to take over people. We're not trying to take over a mountain of culture. We're not trying to do anything other than receive the kingdom of God, his better ways. So his better ways means evil doesn't get to rule. Exactly. You know, and um, so let me add so a couple. That, spirit, that spiritual battle is against principalities so and powers. And we have archangels on our side. And so part of framing uh, the narrative, it's so relevant. That's kind of the proofs in the pudding, because this is so relevant when we think through everything going on today. So you have Baal means perversion, and it's how, um, uh, how the enemy comes in mm -hmm. and how he begins to deceive and lie to our, our kids. And then we have Raphael, God heals. And then we also identify what's the common um, run-of-the-mill enemy, run-of-the-mill demon. So I've named a principality that rules over them. And we made a connection for each one of these seven mountains having to do with the seven enemy nations of the children of Israel and the promised land. I think, I don't know if we mentioned um, the uh, the Hittites for the mountain of media, because I think I did just kind of throw it out there. They represent fear and that's what they're, that's what they're peddling on that mountain. Mm -hmm. So the Jebusites, their name means, um, or they represent rejection. It means downtrodden, mm -hmm. literally. Uh, Jebusites mean downtrodden, so you've been downtrodden. So it speaks into the enemy's simple strategy. Part of it is just like we think it's so complex, it's so simple. His uh, strategic aspects of it is he's going to come in through rejection. And as Elizabeth this briefly was, was mentioning, that rejection can continue to get upgraded. You were rejected. That part of the mouth is huge. Most of the rejection we will feel will be because of words spoken that then the enemy will remind us sometimes even twist it, twist it, or we didn't hear, you know, the absence of words of nurture from our parents. But it's just, we have to understand these are things to always remember if you, if you have any assignment on the mountain of, uh, of family. It means you're called to bring healing. You're working with Raphael. The face of God to be revealed on that mountain as a face of God is Papa. 
And so Papa is the, the face of God is Papa. Even, you know, some of you, if, if, if that's what your dad was called and he was mean, Papa may not sound all <laughs> that, but just, you're supposed to be thinking like in the den with the fireplace, Papa's sitting there and you come down and he's like, come, there's like open arms, open arms and acceptance. And that's what he wants. Cause that's, if the enemy's strategy is rejection, it means the kingdom solution, the kingdom light to that darkness is acceptance. Right. Not it, it doesn't mean acceptance of the sin, but we must make sure that that never gets uh, confused to the best of our ability to do so. That we come with the accepting, uh, the accepting heart. That we have patience for the process that God is putting someone to. We're having to learn that right now with with our, our children, with your children, all around the body of Christ. We're hearing, uh, we have our own kids. They have their own processes. We can't talk about them in public. We have to watch over their own privacy as part of, part of protecting family is doing that. But we, we, we all go through these things as family where our, our kids are going through in process and they're in violation Sometimes to often, depending where your kids are, they're in process, we'll say the standards of God. So we have a choice. Are we going to cut them off because they're, uh, because they're not going in God's standard? Or are we going to show acceptance to them even while we don't, um, uh, we don't back off the truth in the sense of we personally don't quit believing the truth. But there is a time where you back off just uh, beating a horse with a Dead, uh, what does it say? Beating a horse with a dead stick? No, it's beating a horse. Uh, beating a, you know, you got Dead it. horse with a stick. Dead horse, yeah. It's, you know, doing too much uh, <laughs> with truth. And so that's that understanding is is uh, so uh, helpful uh, for us. And then, Elizabeth, um, yeah, we kind of already said, so the simple lie being perpetuated on that mountain, God has abandoned and rejected us. That's what the enemy wants to come to every individual as they grow up in family. And the truth about God that we want back into it and what we want our families to produce is God has not abandoned or rejected us. And somehow it's echoing in a family environment, you are accepted, you are accepted, you are accepted, versus the atmosphere of the enemy, you are rejected, you are rejected. So here's the deal about, because we wanted to make this very uh, personal, uh, where we're at right now, and we're talking in a personal way. In other words, not just conceptual how the mountain is and what's going on, even though those concepts are still very valuable for right now. But for instance, this can surprise you. This is some good news, bad news, or bad news, good news. I'm not sure how we how we look at it, but it's just part of the part of the reality. There was a survey. It was a government official government survey done right before COVID, maybe it's 2016 or something like that. And it, it spit out the numbers, the breakdown. People were asked, what, um, what gender do you consider yourself? And there was, in the way it was presented, it was actually was done, it was still it was under uh, Obama. And so it was like, it, it, there was no reason to hide what your gender or sexuality is. Like you could just let it all hang out. It wasn't coming from it wasn't being passed around by pastors. It was absolute 100% privacy guaranteed. Um, and so it's very credible. And, and what came out, here's the good news. The good news is that people uh, said, because this is part of, even in the confusion of today, you're hearing all these that are, um, that are trying to 
um, uh, um, change their gender. What do they call that? They're trans transgender. They're transgender, but the change itself, uh, transitioning, I guess, is what they're they're trying to do. That, and you're like, okay, what percentage? Through surgery. Yeah, through yeah. surgery and other things, but ninety six point six percent of Americans. This is for the United States. Ninety six back then. Yeah. But in the the time you're talking about, yeah, but Obama. I'm saying it's not that not that long ago. It's not that that's a that's fresh for um, uh, you know, for a survey. It's like it's like a little over five years ago. Ninety six point six percent considered themselves straight by their own. This is their own self disclosure. One point six percent. One point six percent considered themselves gay or lesbian. Uh, it's interesting because at that very time the survey is going on, I asked our, a couple of our kids, what percentage would you think? Our youngest at that time, not being very aware, thought probably 40% gay because the activity, uh, um, the political correct activity, now we understand why they were trying to advance and push things was was such. And then even uh, one that been around longer thought 20%, but it was 1.6%. With another uh, 0.7% saying they were bisexual, and then 1.1% saying they were other or they didn't want to answer. So they had the option of not answering. If you add up all gay, lesbian, 1.6, the 0.7 by the 1.1 said they don't want to say, if, if you just said, okay, they don't want to because they're one of these others, they maybe feel like they're transgender or whatever, you put all that, it's 3.4%. 3 and so, um, the, again, the good news, despite it looking like we're just have totally lost our mind and bearings, and we know that there's been a progression of the deception, and uh, and these numbers could be a little bit a little bit worse. So, but the good news is it's really in sheer numbers, um, it's not as bad as it's been uh, led us to believe. But here's the not so good. I was doing the math on it, and, and, and if you do 3.4% uh, of the size of our nation, you're still talking 13 to 15 million individuals who have been convinced through whatever, through rejection, pain, um, through agenda, through they need more attention, whatever it else, whatever else it is. And so... Uh, again, that's a lot. That's a lot. A lot of people, and so we want to um, uh, we want to begin to receive these solutions from the Lord for them. But we also know families in general. Uh, part of the reason for telling this is like it's not like we need to have the entire conversation or we plan it on transgender stuff. This is something that's being pushed. So when it's pushed, you have the mockingbird media, uh, the echo chambers pushing out a narrative to everyone, but we re really understand that family in general, a lot of reason, a lot of the reasons, uh, or the reason why so many are picked off by the enemy into that is because even we as believers haven't known how to make our house a haven of acceptance. We haven't learned sometimes just we don't have communication skills. That's a whole nother thing. If you're one that's, if you're uh, any part of your ministry, your job, whatever, is helping humans with 
uh, communication tools that are valid, you are a minister on the mountain uh, of family. And that surely is one of the things um, we need as well. Anyway, jump in on whatever you're thinking based on. Yeah, it, it's um, what I'm addressing there. Yeah, the statistics put it into perspective, but the statistics also pointing out that there are millions that are struggling with this. Um, you know, when the enemy can't keep you from something, then he'll push you further than you're supposed to go. And he's he's really done that strategy with with our um, society in this issue. It's like compassion. We're meant, we're created to be an extension of the compassion of God for one another. But if you take compassion and you push it beyond it was meant to go, then you'll let someone just, you know, you'll be compassionate while they just destroy their lives yeah. and destroy the fabric of our society as well. And so it is, I think for Attention. me, the most important part of this discussion is how we as a generation are so, not just as Christians, but just like as society itself, we're in the middle of this truth that's held in tension of acceptance and love and unconditional love. I mean, that is our father. He, he loves us unconditionally, but at the same time mm -hmm. that we are loving and not cutting off relationship with, with family members who are in just different places that, that we don't want them to be in um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever the case may be. At the same time, there is a there is a place where we do have to echo a new narrative. We do have to take back over the narrative of the enemy. Yeah. So that doesn't that rarely should happen, especially once your kids are adults. That rarely should happen, at least not uninvited, where you're having to take over the narrative in those one-on-one -on -one relationships. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't continue to speak out the truth in areas that you carry influence. So if you're on a school board, if you are a school teacher, if you are um, a doctor, if you're working in a hospital, all these places where, you know, laws around this, um, what do they call it? Affirmative, whatever. Progressive, the progressive it, agenda. The It's yeah. where everything now is all about, I mean, even doctors think if you're a doctor and a, a parent or a teenager comes in on their own and says, I think I'm the opposite gender than I was born. So fix it. <laughs> you know, you could literally make or break that person's life by your willingness or unwillingness to, to recommend surgery yeah. or, or put them on hormones that's just one example. Tough decisions they're, parents they're are facing. Yeah, very tough decisions, and it bleeds over into um, the other areas of culture, into education system, into you know, for good or bad, it's bleeding over into these areas. So, what is what does that look like? And you know, I think it's important, and I, I'm always trying to remind myself and Johnny of the fact that what when we talk about influencing and bringing change solutions to these areas of culture, echoing the new narrative, it starts with who God is. Yeah. And it starts with becoming an expert on that aspect of his face. And so yeah. 
if this is an area of culture that you're passionate about, and one of the ways to know is if this is an area of culture where you've been hit hard. Right. You know, if this has been where you have faced the most heartache and the most trauma and drama, then it could be that that this is where the Lord is really going to use you, where you've gained authority to be used, to have influence. But again, it starts with focusing on that aspect of who God is. And so even in preparing for today, I just I was just, you know, trying to spend some time with the Lord and and. And I just was reminded of how family started with him and in him. Mm-hmm. And literally between God, the father, Jesus, the son and the Holy Spirit, who for me, my earthly mind's way of connecting with Holy Spirit is like, it's like the feminine aspect of who God is. Mm-hmm. It's that fierce, I'm I'm going to lead you into truth. I'm going to, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to help you and comfort you. Those are to me descriptions of Mm -hmm. a feminine aspect Mm -hmm. of, of God. Um, not that I call God mother at all. No, but it's in, even in the language, Holy Spirit, uh, the, the Hebrew word for is a, a a feminine word there. So it's not just you making that up. No, it's there. So I was just reminded of this love swirl that already existed between the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. And and I just always like picture it as just this love that's just brewing and brooding between the three of them. And that just spills over into all of heaven and spills over into all of the universe and, and to certainly all of the earth and all of his creation. And this love swirl that we were dreamed of, like God, we humanity didn't exist And there was something in that love swirl that made them feel like, I say them, but it's God, the Godhead. It made God feel like I have to have another um, object of my affection and, and one that chooses me back, that has the freedom, the scary freedom to choose or not choose me back. And that's what makes us different than angels. That's what makes us different than, um, the fur babies, animals that we love so much, they don't have choices. And so, I mean, I that's a riddle to me anyway, but because I know that Satan chose to fall to do what happened yeah. to cause him to fall. But another discussion. Anyway, we have a choice and he wanted to invite us into this family that already was there. And in that in that place is where we pick up on the sound of the heart of the father. And then we ask the question, okay, how do I echo that sound of Papa into the place where I carry influence in family, whether it's with your own family, or if you're called to the mountain of family in a work-related way or a ministry-related way, what does that echo sound like in your role as a therapist or your role as a nurse or yeah. your role as um, uh, whatever, all the, the yeah. countless ways. No, that's really good. Because even though I've given you those numbers where we're only looking at three and a half percent of the population that's actually um, by their own self-disclosure, um, when there's no negative consequences for it, say they've, they're in some alternative lifestyle. 
um, whatever, some alternative other than, you know, straight, uh, the, the option was straight. There is like, I think yet last week I saw 44% of uh, young people is broad range. I mean, it's like 18, I don't know, 30 or whatever it was, um, daily are struggling with depression. And we know that um, the taking of, of drugs, uh, both prescription and non-prescription is widespread. Yeah, that's a whole so other issue. Yeah. We're not saying, we're definitely not saying there's only a tiny percentage of the population being affected because it really is, um, we're, we're really looking a minimum of, of half the kids um, and even a whole age group. And it's really, there's about 70 something percent of them that are affected in some way regularly, emotionally. This is a big deal. We, we, we don't have emotional healthiness uh, in, 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 uh, across the board, that it's, it's very um, reduced. And so it goes into what Elizabeth Sharon, and then she mentioned briefly, you know, that we have, we have this two-prong, she didn't mention a two-prong attack, but we want to show acceptance, but then we have to be people of truth. And then what I've shared before, and I'll just do the quickest thing on it, is that we think of truth and love because you go, oh, acceptance. Well, I can't accept sin. And if that's how it's. Yeah, we don't want to look like we're condoning sin. That's the big thing. So I've recommended just the model of Jesus and the woman caught in the act of adultery. And we won't do the in-depth. You know the story, the storyline there. But we had the accusers. She was caught in the act of adultery. And they're giving Jesus a chance to okay, come on, tell us to stone. Like, do you know, you're supposedly, if you're the son of God, you brought the 10 commandments out and he sees there's a, a public lynching of a woman's heart that doesn't go into the storyline there. Like the hypocrisy, where's the dude and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, if Jesus was one who thought of standard as the priority, he would say, yeah, that, you know, she needs to be taught. Y'all need a lesson here. If Here's my stance on sin. Yeah, <laughs> my stance on sin. We can't, we got to be severe with it, et cetera, et cetera. And we see he doesn't do that. He chases them off. If you're without any sin, cast the first stone. They all leave. And then, you know, he turns to her, where are you accusers? And she looks, they're not here. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. So neither do I reject you. He leads with acceptance. Go and sin no more. So he addresses the fact, you know, sin does have its consequences. Sin can leave you in this situation again. And so our, our language for it is we have to learn to walk on two legs. And, and the two legs, and this is just a, a, a major bit of revelation. If you have an, it doesn't matter if you have an assignment on the mountain of family, but especially if you do. And with your own family. But in your own family, mm -hmm. in order so that we have kids, uh, you know, part of the, the problem with kids is not parents' fault or anything like that. There is the attack on the mind going on through the phone. The fact that we have systems that are bombarded from bombarding from hell. We need to change some of those systems or a lot of those systems. But there, um, the two legs, think of one being leg of truth or standard and the one of, of love and acceptance. And, um, and so if you lead with conditions, if you lead with the rules, if you lead with, well, you need to take care of that then we because that's what we do when we get it wrong we lead with the wrong leg we're like get that right you are fully accepted in this household you are accepted in this church that feels like rejection and so and 
we, we could double up on Jesus and the, and the prodigal son, how before there's a conversation of how he's going to make it up, acceptance. He's waiting for him. He runs to him. He sees him turn. So we see both in the teaching of Jesus, the example of Jesus, his parables, that he teaches us, you lead with acceptance. You let them know they're loved. And, um, and then there's follow conversations to the degree that it can be um, handled, but their heart will get ministered to, not by rules. Never seen, we pastored 15 years. I think we've ever th saw anybody that said, I was so ministered by the Holy Spirit when you told me the rule. Um, it, that's not the part, yeah. the standard. It, but it is the standard is what's being warred against. There's an attempt to change the standard taking place. And more on a legal front, we have to contend for that. Mm -hmm. And so kind of in a big pinch, big picture, uh, impersonal way is where we're much more, we'll say, called even to war for standard because we're not looking at an actual uh, situation, an actual person. But we want to be aware in this manifesting love and seeing, and Elizabeth is talking about the dynamic of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're continuously praising each other. They're continuously, of course, there's no sin among them, but they have this atmosphere of joy and acceptance. And, and how we don't just turn into, um, you know, Pharisees in our own household and consider it upholding Christianity, where we just, rules, uh, you know, scorecard, um, report card, you're, you're not doing it, you're not cutting it. Like, it, it people just can't grow with that. So that's the area we want to be able to advance and grow and then offer um, in whatever way that we are um, in, a, in assignment on that mountain, that we remember that, that we remember that, that healing, for healing from the Father to come, we have to reach a heart first. Jesus was able to reach the heart first. That's the bridge of connection to the heart. Once he chases off the woman's accusers, once he says, I don't condemn you either. And by that, just to add to it, I think he's not just, you know, it's deeper than we imagine. He knows quickly what her life was. We, we, we read the storyline. We can assume almost that she was a, a, a prostitute. We know that because the John's not brought, the guilty guy, that there's probably a setup. We know it's orchestrated by the Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to catch him and he's because he's like, he's always... He, you know, he's not an upholder of the law like we are. He's not an upholder of legalism. And so there is, uh, there is this desire to show him up. And so they are creating this whole reality. And, and, and he's seeing things like, oh, my goodness, like the first time, uh, you know, she was abused. You don't just like grow up and say, I think I would like to be a prostitute. I would like to be a hooker. There's something that happened. He's like, I don't condemn you. Believe me, I see what was done to you, who messed with you when you were young, how it happened again, how you were not protected. I've seen what men did to you. I do not condemn you. And so there is a ministering that happens to her heart so she can now hear. See, they can't hear. Rules to someone who feels like they're rejected sounds like rejection. So you, you can't tell them uh, more rules. Uh, more rules. Yeah. So anyway, these are just good stuff. Good stuff, Very so. good. Um, okay, I want to bring up one last thing, but a comment. One of the things that I wanted to speak into um, was how hard it is 
as a parent. Like we recognize that one of the reasons, there's probably two reasons why we don't talk much about parenting. Number one is to protect our own children. We don't, we don't want to, you know, why would we process their lives on in public, social their, media, and yeah, it's, it's their not lives. like old days. Yeah, it just goes everywhere. It's their lives. We're we're not we're not trying to, you know. Anyway, even ones that we're proud of, we try to protect them. Yes, we're proud of all of them. That didn't come out right at all. Even when they do things that we're super proud of, we're not. But there's a humility that comes with age, <laughs> you know. We homeschooled, we did um, lots of years of teaching, you know, biblical standards and rules. And the thing that I would do differently if I were to parent again, and I do want to speak out of this place, but I didn't say the second reason why we don't bring up our kids' stuff is because, um, because you know, we don't pretend to have figured it out perfectly. We made mistakes. And I think children's lives end up speaking for your parenting. You know, if if we did some things right, then you'll eventually get the benefit of it from our children themselves, you know, and the overflow of their lives and the choices that they make. We'll take credit for all the great things. <laughs> anyway. Um, but in, on that, it just... Because I know this gets to be a sensitive place for parents because you will go to the flip side and say, yeah, but if my kids are a mess and they're never coming back or they've already, you know, it's been a disaster, then I'm a horrible person, horrible parent. I remember years ago when there was a first challenge with one of our children, I was going to the Lord and, and, and saying, uh, you know, man, I might should quit. Uh, pastoring in church there's a little situation here and he was laughing at me and it's like um oh so you're going to step down from ministry where i've called you to because this is not example of a perfect child and um and i was yeah well the bible says you know have your house in order if you're uh you know if you lead if you lead in a congregation and he's like well okay let me just remind you who some of my kids are, okay? And it's like Adolf Hitler, Stalin, Lenin, and he didn't even go into Soros and other things back then. But <laughs> We're not saying that they chose God, but the way he sees them is as they're his children. But he's like, you don't understand. He says, even every one of your kids and other people's kids you know that are, have failed in some way, it's, ultimate, it's much more personal with me because I actually mm. designed them. Mm. A parent doesn't really have the ability to design their kids. We think yeah. early on we can. No. And that's why we try to, you know, control all outcomes. It can't happen. Yeah. They have mind of their own, spirit of their own, wiring of their own. That's right. So an aspect of this is like, God's like, I'm not stepping down from my throne just because two thirds of my kids are actually the history of have chosen hell in recent times and really history. And he's like, I'm not quitting because of that. Mm -hmm. It is personal. Every person gets to choose. And mm -hmm. so we try to do the best we can as parents mm -hmm. to assist their processes. But there's absolutely, what Elizabeth's saying, I believe, there's nothing we can do that can guarantee outcomes. We can just 
uh, we can do better. We can learn. It's uh, like she says, we would do some things um, uh, clearly different and that's okay. But don't carry this wound of, uh, uh, you know, uh, of shame and, and from the enemy. Nor be nor define yourself as a victim of your kids' yeah, there you choices. Go. There you go. You know, it's a good don't, way of don't it. take on shame from it. And don't... don't An identity from it, yeah. Don't put yourself in this position of, well, I'm just a victim. Like, they made these choices and now it's, you know, hurt me or hurt my family. You know what? You're only a victim if you if you choose to have that mentality. And we don't have to ride the roller coasters that our kids get on sometimes we can <laughs> love them stay involved and connected engaged in their lives without while letting go you can do both at the same time it's it is a skill that you have to learn but if you learn it you actually can enjoy your kids and your family no matter what it's like right now for it's you. Good, it's good call. It's good wise stuff there. So the thing that I that I wanted to say that I would personally do differently um, is I would make it more clear to my children. So I'm talking about, you know, before they're at an age where, you know, 16, 17, 18, they're legally able to make some decisions on their own. Um Prior to that, making it very clear to them as it relates to morality choices, biblical standards, um, uh, music they listen to, uh, yeah, just movies anything, they watch, and anything that is an overflow of their heart and their relationship with God, mm. any choice that comes out of that place, that it is their choice, and I feel like in my mind out of fear because I so wanted to control the outcome right. that I, I didn't emphasize that part. It was more like, well, of course you're going to love God for the rest of your life. Of course you're going to choose him. Of course you're going to never you know, ask the hard questions. Yeah. You're going to marry, you know, a vir as a virgin, a virgin, and you're going to just live in marital bliss with that one person, the whole rest of your life. And you're going to blah, blah, blah. You know, I, to me, the other things just were so not an option in my own mind that I, I, I didn't allow them the privilege that God allows every single one of us, wow. where he says, you get to choose. Wow. Do you want to do this my way or your way? And he meets us in the messiness of that question over and over and over and over again. And I'm not saying let a four-year-old decide if they want to be a boy or a girl. Right. I'm saying... Teach them biblical standards, teach them morality, teach them just mental health, you know, like it, it will hurt you to choose another gender than you were born with. Like, here's all the repercussions of what that'll look like in life. And while you're still here under our roof and we are legally accountable to the, the law and to God for you, we are going to make your decisions, but there will come a day where you, where you will get to decide things like this and this and this. And when you do, you get to decide if you want to do it your way or the way other people tell you or God's way. 
So while you're here, and this is this is one of the things that I, you know, we we talk with even some of our kids now, is we want to financially help and be a support financially of things that we feel good about investing our money towards. So it doesn't mean we're not supporting you. It just means if you're going to go this direction, like what are you, if you make money and you work hard to make money, what are you going to put money towards? You're certainly not going to give to some organization that you don't think is a good organization, you know, or doesn't represent your convictions or your things that you're passionate about. So it's not personal. It just means my money, my heart that represents my hard earned hours of work is going to go towards something that I feel good about. And so as they start getting older and they get to those legal ages to start making their own choices, but yet they're still kind of needing you financially, that's a good place of, of weaning where they can make their own decisions, feel your love, unconditional love, but they don't get the same benefits um, when they go a different direction, you know? Well, just on that, and hopefully you can, I, I know it, it derails you when you didn't get to finish the thought, but on that, I think it's so much like the Lord. I know, because what the enemy will do with the children, they'll say, oh, so you're going to withhold from me. You're going to punish me if I don't do things your way. It's like, no, we're not punishing you for not doing things our way. We're just not rewarding you for not. And that's what the Lord, because sometimes we accuse the Lord of punishing us um, or think in our minds he's punishing. He's like, no, I'm just not rewarding you for going yeah. in that route. And it's a whole different application. Hopefully I didn't knock you off. No, that's good. And so you don't, it's, it's different even with each child because they mature at different rates and they all have different um, challenges. If there are mental issues that they're dealing with, that's different than somebody who's, right. you know, solid and stable in certain ways, and they really are able to make their own decisions. It there, There's just, it's not black and white. And on top of that, um, you know, the Lord spoke to me years ago and said, I gave you each one of your children, each one of them, because I knew that you and Johnny would love them through their process. And none of us are born blank slates. We're all born, I believe, with um, spiritual genetics and natural genetics. Okay. And genetics play a huge role because just like your natural genetics, you can have a predisposition towards certain illnesses, but they don't turn on until they're um, your immune system or your body takes a hit or stress or or uh, something stirs that up. In the same way, spiritually, there are tests that we go through in life that until those tests happen, we don't we don't see kind of the kink in the armor that comes up. But God loves us so much, and because He's so not trying to produce perfect children, He's all about the process, and He's okay with you know all of us living very imperfect lives to get us to grow up to a certain place. Yeah. And sometimes that means he doesn't intervene. There isn't that extra measure of grace to say no to something we should say no to. And we end up making a huge mistake in our lives that costs us and the people around us a lot, a lot of pain. Yeah. 
and he's not afraid of pain. God is not afraid of pain. He, he uses pain. He doesn't cause it, but he uses it to meet us in our process. He knows that when we're in these places of pain and trauma, that we will have more of an opportunity to need him. And he's looking at the long haul. He's looking at, will, will we go through enough process in life that we will choose him for eternity? And it's hard to love your kids through that process. It's hard to love yourself through that process. We have to give ourselves and our kids so much grace because God has. No, it's um, so good. So, so good. Just on that, because, you know, how are we going to be ambassadors or agents of, of God to convey acceptance to our kids if we're carrying this whole rejection thing still ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's just, you know, it's just hard to pass on what you don't have yourself. So taking care it's of true. yourself, not allowing a lie from the enemy on all these issues we're talking about, not allowing a lie of the enemy to keep you in a wrong identity, to keep you shamed, you failed, all these kind of things. It's so, so important. So you can represent him correctly the best you can. We're going to do it imperfectly. We get one shot at it. We're going to do it imperfectly. And we, we generally, by the time we're grandparents, we have like, you know, I'd be a pretty good parent right now. And, and but that's not how this thing works, but go ahead. You know, I think a pioneer that in that's on the front lines in, in the family mountain, um, boy, I'd love to interview her, her. I don't know if it will ever work out, but um, I think her name is Abby Johnson. Uh, yeah. She's the one on, uh, just has the organization related the, to the abortion. Yeah. yeah. She, she was, she worked in abortion, in the abortion field. She had abortions and now she's an advocate for life, but she comes at it where she, she has both legs, the truth and the love because she went through it because it happened under her watch and she also was you know, responsible, was responsible for abortions, for abortions yeah. in her own body as well. Oh yeah. That if I'm remembering correctly, I don't remember I, that part, but I know, I, I think did. she did. I think she had several before she had her first child. Now she has a bunch of kids, but she, the way she shows up on the front lines is she does not compromise on the truth because she loves women so much and she doesn't want them to go through the hurt and the pain that she knows they go through when they, when they go through with an abortion. And so you hear that, you hear that in her passion for the truth, you hear the love in it. We cannot show up in these areas of family issues and matters and not have our passion and our truth fueled by that motive of, I love you. You know, God, speaking of God's stance on sin, God has a stance on sin. Clearly, he has very clear standards and boundaries for us. What is sin and what is holiness? Yeah. And there's there's not a lot of in between. And yet, yeah. he only cares about sin. He only cares about his standards and his rules and the laws that he gave us in the Old Testament. He only cares about those because he cares about us. Everything, all of it is fueled by his love. So I thought we would end with this and I'm going to pass it to you and then I can pray if you want, but 
think if see if you can remember. I just got to piggyback the shortest thing on what you just said. Okay. Because it's just there's it's the most popular verse in the Bible. It so states what you just said, and it's uh, in a correct balance. You know, she says, yeah, he cares about sin. He cares about rules. Um, because that's the thing. That's where we miss it in the body of Christ. We become more about the rules than about the love. And we withhold the love until the rules are met. But John 3, 16, you know, sometimes we, we, we think that Jesus had to come. He had to be born. The Father sent Jesus because phew, everybody was just sinning like crazy. And a standard had to be sent. But it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. As opposed to, for God so needed to remind the world of the Ten Commandments. And so his purpose for coming was to reveal love. Yeah. Now in it, standards, Ten Commandments over here, but the purpose is to reveal love, the heart of acceptance and love. And that's what Elizabeth's saying. So, uh, and the other is just what, yeah, that separates us. That becomes an enemy. The sin becomes an enemy because it's what separates us from, from that love. But he's all about the love. Now, I don't know if you'll still remember what yeah. the last thing you're going to ask me. Okay. All right. So to just wrap this up, we've been talking about echoing a new narrative in the mountain of family and how that, that echo is really the heartbeat mm -hmm. of Papa, our father. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you talk about when when you do any kind of teaching on God as our father is you talk about how he is the perfect parent and he's never going after all of our issues at once. And I know this connects to even just a lot of the prophetic things and the kingdom perspective you've been teaching on your Elijah Streams Johnny Unfiltered mm -hmm. program. So maybe you could close with just speaking into that aspect of what our father is like, how he's, he's not working on everything all at once. He's working on what's next. Well, that aspect was, you know, came out of a long interaction conversations with the Lord about why he would have, um, you know, his heroes of faith from, uh, you know, listed as heroes of faith in, in Hebrews, but, uh, and, and the people that were his friends, Moses, Abraham, David, people that were his friends would have more than one wife. I was like, did the standard change? It was like monogamy uh, uh, didn't matter back then. And so they were able to have multiple wives and they all had slaves. And so slaves was okay. And, you know, why does it, why does it look like? Like when did God change his mind? Yeah, where, where in the scripture do we, like all of a sudden Paul starts saying, you know, he's going to be, be a bishop, let him be. Uh, the husband of one wife. So all of a sudden we see, okay, it changed, but why did it change? Where did it change? How did it change? And the Lord, this thing that Elizabeth said, is like the Lord just explained. He's like, he's the best father and he knows, um, how did I used to say it? Uh, um, the progressive um, reveal of his heart and truth. And he understands where we're, we're at. He's the perfect father. It's just like the part you'll get super easy is like, if you have a two-year-old son, um, you're not trying to teach him how to drive the car. You're not upset if he can't drive the car right. <clears throat> That's not next. Yeah, it is. If you're utopian, at some point it is. You're not trying to get him to know how to think about his career. Um, and, and likewise, when you're even trying to teach him the car driving, you're not necessarily trying to get him serious about his career. We, we can defer things because there's what in order. At two years old, you're trying to keep your kid alive. 
That's the Lord said. That's why it was a lot of thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. I'm trying to keep them alive. Don't take your neighbor's wife. You could get killed. Don't take his stuff. You could get killed. Don't take. It's wrong anyway, but you also could lose your life in this process, all these things. And, and so there is like, I had to speak to society and, and my people as two-year-olds, essentially, how to stay alive. And so the God of the Old Testament, they think is a different God, sounds like a thou shalt not, don't touch, don't do. And and it's he says, just remember you and your kids when they're two-year-olds. There's a whole lot, don't put your finger in the outlet, don't run into the street, don't. There, there's those kind of conversations that will exceed the, the serious conversations on life on, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Who do you want to be? And all those things. And so um, we we want to be always in a posture before the Lord of asking what's next. So we told him if you needed to hear that, yeah, it's always the standards always been from Genesis for this cause, a man shall leave his, his um, a man shall leave his mother, woman, leave her home. So anyway, and the two shall be one. Two becoming one has been a standard from the beginning. But there are, there are other issues um, um, that are a priority. So when there are other issues that are a priority, he's deferring until later. So by the time the New Testament church is coming, it's like, we're ready to get this out. And so then there, that's how he progressively is taking us to Habakkuk 2.14. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. His ways, we, we become uh, aware. There's a growth into it. And so though God's friends... Uh, from the Old Testament, they would not even make it in Paul's church. They would be thrown out of the church. I'm talking David, Abraham, Moses, and they would because they're violating the standard of one wife. Um, Paul would not make it in our church because he said, hey, uh, slaves obey your masters. You're like, slaves obey your masters? I don't think so because there's a progressive understanding even at a worldwide level of what's not acceptable any, anymore. Mm -hmm. So apply that to... Even your kids, you know, there could be a situation where, um, um, you know, you're, um, we'll just say something close to us where, you know, there's, you're trying to get a child to behave. Maybe they're a teenager trying to get them to behave. And then, um, and that's, you're going to hold a standard. And then it comes out, you know what? They, they have, uh, 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 there's an attack on their mind. Part of this thing we're finding out, even the deep state, through all the things and pharma and every and the food poisoning and all this stuff they're giving us, the Lyme disease attacks our thinking and our mind. Then we find out that it's a mind that's being assaulted and attacked and has measurable things that are out of order. And you're like, oh my goodness, I can't even expect standards of righteousness to properly be followed until we make sure. We, you know, we've got to do what it, um, the things, whether it's dietary or counseling or whatever, just to get their, their, their mind in a better place. And so sometimes we have to process, um, we have to process things as parents, as friends or whatever it is. It's like, is this the next priority with the Lord? Is the next priority with the Lord is that they follow every commandment in the per perfect way or is the, or what is the next um, standard. So I, I had to lay it out that way so we don't think, no, are you saying like it just, it's gray and it doesn't really, no, it, I just said it just like it is. And I think it's understandable. Uh, um, you two-year-olds, you're like, I don't want you pooping in your pants anymore. <laughs> that's, that's the expect. You don't expect them to be able to drive. It's where they're at. It's different. So see if that helps you in processing whatever you have to process in the mountain of family.
Yeah, and I think even in the big picture, um, as the body of Christ, you know, I think there needs to come a time when we mature and unify enough that yeah. we can we can have a collective goal mm -hmm. of okay, this seems to be the thing that God's working on in society next, because the 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 evil evil has a strategy and an agenda, and they're unfolding it at very specific pace. And I believe that there is kingdom strategy to um, unfold. Unveil, reveal the kingdom. Yeah, reveal the kingdom. And um, it's, there's also like when you talk about the progressive, I say the progressive knowledge of God, people don't think, they don't know that, for example, there was slavery and now there isn't supposed to be slavery and everybody agrees pretty much on that. That is a progressive knowledge of God. Yeah. That is an aspect of the kingdom unfolding in the earth. It's not like labeled as that was something the church did. It doesn't have to be. It's God's better way. God's better way is no slavery, right? Yeah. In the same way, all these different issues that come up, like we started off talking about um, gender identity issues that, that are affecting children and mountain of family. For example, we can have wisdom and, and fight on that battlefront without having to blatantly bring scripture into it. We don't have to be like Bible thumping Christians and make it a, a you know, all those Christians are just unhappy with that. No, we have to be wiser than that because the kingdom of God hear me, the kingdom of God is bigger than Christianity. Okay. For, for sure. It, the less, the, the greater includes the lesser. Yes, we are Christians and we're all about the kingdom and the kingdom is, you know, going to, you have to, ultimately there is the following Jesus part, right? But what I'm saying is the advancing of the kingdom is for humanity. It's, it's not just for Christians. And so we can show up and like an issue, like a gender identity, for example, we can bring in statistics. We can show what is happening to families and to individuals. We can, we can help give a voice to those who have gone that direction and have, you know, realized and, yeah. it was it was detrimental to their well-being. And they're telling their stories now. Yeah. Because everything that is biblical, you find out actually there's a reason why yeah. God's way is better. There's a reason why. You know, it sin yeah. actually has consequences. It actually whether you connect it to a Bible verse or not, it still has the same consequences. So we don't have to like only fight on the mountain of religion over these issues. We can actually do it in a way that people can respect and hear. Um, and as people experience the benefits and blessings of God's way, of the kingdom unfolding in the earth, it acclimates their hearts to believe, hey, there is a God and he actually does care and he actually does have solutions. And he's, he's showing up through the most unlikely people, Christians, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway. All right. So why don't you pray for us and them as we... Let's do it. As we go. Lord, we just bless the families, those that um, are watching, listening, um, mothers, fathers, children, um, and your sons and your daughters. 
We thank you for the privilege of being a part of your love swirl and being invited as humanity into being the object of your affection. And we ask that we would just receive the joy of that fact right now, that even in the messiness and the chaos of brokenness in our in our family in this area of culture we still celebrate the the family that we are a part of that's already perfect it's it's you <laughs> and nothing can take away um the fact that we have the perfect family and so we just celebrate that right now we allow that joy to just um stir up on the inside of us thank you for being our papa Thank you for being my Papa. Thank you for um, your Holy Spirit that's always there as that voice of truth and that healthy place of conviction and that um, comfort. Thank you, Jesus, for being um, our brother, our friend, our husband, Um the one who led the way, who did everything that we couldn't do for ourselves. And we just get to follow in your footsteps and be joint heirs with you of this incredible kingdom. Mm. And we just say, come Holy Spirit to our families, to everything that, that is connected to family in our society. In this generation, we ask for your solutions, your insights, your better ways of healing and all the ways we need healing. Um, teach us as mothers and fathers how to love our children well. What does it look like? How does it best represent you and your heart? And encourage us. We just, even today, right now, um, all of us as parents just receive your encouragement we thank you for the privilege of loving each one of our kids, our, our natural kids, or some of us have spiritual kids. We have younger people that are in our lives that we are um, mom and dads to, and all of them. We thank you for giving us the privilege to be the ones that unconditionally love them through their process. We ask that you would just help them, help us to enjoy them just like they are right now, genuinely enjoy them and authentically love them without an agenda, without trying to manipulate them into something we want or need them to be, or that we think you want and need them to be. We ask that you would just give us that love that that is your love. You are love and you can't help but love us. It's not something you have to choose to do or work at. It's just who you are and it comes out of you and we belong to you and we're the object of your love and your affection. And we want that to be the kind of love that comes through us. So thank you, Papa. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, good job. We're going to follow up next week um, with someone you should know. We do not have the name of the person or persons that we're going to be interviewing yet, so it'll be a surprise. Uh, we have a couple that we're we're good reaching options. out to, good options, and we just look forward to that um, interview with you. So look for that uh, next week, 
And if we happen to miss a week, we've got um, a grandson that's due any day now. Yeah. And so that might push us back a week or so because um, that's where all of our attention is going to be. I can promise you Speaking that. Speaking of family. Yes. <laughs> so um, we love you. Papa loves you. He does. And we'll see you next time on Up for Discussion.